Hello, 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 friends, families, adoptees, adopted friends and families, friends and families of adoptees. Wow, wow, it's been a while since I did that, huh? Yeah, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Seamless, seamless. I'm just kidding. That was really, it wasn't as 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 put together as it usually is. I feel like it's usually a little bit tighter, but you know, we uh, skipped last month and, and now we're here. We're here. It's November. It's uh, right before Thanksgiving, big old tea day, turkey day. Uh, I don't know if you guys, well, you know, in America anyways, if you're listening outside of America, maybe you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. If you're in Korea, we have, uh, we have Chuseok. So happy Chuseok to, uh, to all those that celebrate that. I miss that. I miss that being in Korea and celebrating Chuseok over at, uh, at, uh, Pastor Kim's at Co-Root. Uh, they usually have a big celebration. There's a lot of duck, which is like rice, little rice, uh, balls, I guess, rolls, and they're delicious, and I love them, and a lot of moon candy, I think, or or baked goods. It's a good celebration. I miss I miss that. It was fun. Hope all you over there in Korea are doing well and having a good day and uh, or night, whatever time you're listening to this, and the rest of you too, and the rest of you too out there, out there uh, who are, I don't know, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're uh, passing the time. Maybe you're passing the time in the car or the airplane. Going back to visit your family. Maybe you're getting ready for the big day for Thanksgiving and traveling. Or maybe you're listening to this trying to escape your family. (laughs) Uh, I hope that's not the case. But if it is, then please, I hope this provides some amount of respite for you uh, this evening or day that you're listening to it. And that uh, you you get the rest that you need. You get the rest that you need. Because guess what? The, the other holidays are coming up soon after that, and there's no rest for the wicked there. So, you know, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. I'll say that. Enjoy it while it lasts. And uh, just enjoy yourself. I don't know. I don't know. These are crazy times we're living in. I feel like a lot's going on in the world. I'm, I don't know about you. I'm addicted now to the news. It's like I need to mainline it in the morning. From the moment I get up, just to see like what's happening. It's craziness. It's always insanity. And you're always just like, you wake up and every waking moment, you're like, what happened? What happened while I was sleeping? It must have been something. I don't know. Gotta find out. Click on the Twitter. Click on the news. Click on everything. What's happening? 24 hours. It's 24 hours. It's insanity out there. I don't know. I will say, uh, you know, things are things are crazy, but there are some some good things out there in the world. Uh, I don't know if you guys are big fans of stand-up comedy or know Pat Oswalt, but uh, I will highly recommend Pat Oswalt's Annihilation on Netflix. His Netflix stand-up special it's incredible, um, and I found it profoundly moving. It's profoundly moving because I don't know if you guys know this, but Pat Oswalt had a, a, a very uh, terrible tragedy happen to him in the past couple of years. Uh, and, and he works through that in the show. So I think it's worth taking a look at if you want to watch something hilarious, but also something that, uh, may move you, uh, cause you know, it's all chaos out there. It's all chaos. And sometimes you need a little break, a break from the chaos. And I hope, uh, we can provide that for you at least a little bit today. Uh, today, my guest is Kevin Kreider. Kevin Kreider is a, a model, an actor, he is an Instagram celebrity. He's uh, out there working on a documentary right now called The Ugly Model, and it, it's, it's about him. I guess he was working on another documentary earlier about him using a, a penny board, which I guess is a tiny skateboard, to skateboard across the country. Uh, and you can, you can find him. You can find him online. 
And in this interview I had with him in New York City, uh, at, at, our, at his shared, we had a shared office space area that we did the show in, and uh, he taped it for, for his, uh, his documentary that he's doing now, which is going to be released in March or April, if they're on track, uh, next year. So you have that to look forward to as well. If you're unfamiliar with Kevin, uh, you should check out his Instagram, and he's also an author of, of fitness ebooks as well, uh, to include stuff about intermittent fasting and choosing a personal trainer uh, and stuff like that. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, definitely check it out. I think uh, lately I've been accidentally intermittent fasting. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's like you eat like a couple of meals a day, but then you, from like I think the evening until the morning or something, you take like like a 10 or 12 hour break of, of just not eating. And lately I've just been eating really early, like at like between 4.30 and 5 o'clock at night and not eating until the next morning. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. And then I, I find I'm hungry at like, obviously at like 10 p.m. again, but at that point it's just too late. It's just too late to eat. I can't just house a large pizza uh, at 10 at night with a side of nachos and buffalo wings and, and chocolate lava cake. I can't do that anymore. It's not college. And I get fat. And I need, I'm starting, so like I know this is going to sound like, like I'm a college girl, but I, you know, I need to lose a little weight here. I can feel it. I can feel it. And this is the worst time for this to happen because the holidays, you're just like packing it on, bring on the mashed potatoes and the gravy. And, and God knows I love that. But, you know, I, 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 I got to work on it. I got to work on it. Maybe the intermittent fasting, even if it's by accident, may help. I don't know. I should probably ask Kevin. Uh, anyways, this is uh, my conversation with Kevin Kreider. I hope you guys enjoy it. Enjoy. Enjoy. People like it. I think so. I mean, I prefer because you get to see some of the chest. Some of the chest? Yeah, that you've worked hard on. <laughs> I can't say I've worked very hard on it you lately. You haven't worked on the chest? No, not lately. I, I haven't been in the gym in two weeks. So you can't wear V-necks? I, I don't know. I could try, but it's just not It's not going to look as good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you do a lot of you do a lot of the gym work, the I chest? Do, I do. I, uh, I, it's probably like my favorite thing is that V-cut. You like the, the Domino, or the, what is it, the Dorito? Yeah. The well, Dorito. It's the Super V sometimes. People make fun of me because it's like way too low. It's like a deep, deep V. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it were me, like it'd be the deepest V, like at least a foot. You want to wear like the J-Lo top that like cuts down <laughs> to here. To the navel area. Yes. <laughs> I might be a little bit too much. Just yeah, that's too much. There are limits. You know? Well, we're we're like on the on the shirt is the limit. Uh, probably like the middle abs. The middle abs, just above the belly button. So you can see like the top <laughs> abs of this of the six pack. Is this the most bro talk you've had? A uh, I think so. Yeah, well, I don't. Not all the guests here are, are the most fit people. <laughs> You know, I certainly can't pull off the deep V down to the top abs. Ah, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm, yeah. So you're in a unique position. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the first guest I've had on that can, that can do the deep V that doesn't have actual cleavage. Gotcha. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate, I, I feel I'm very honored. <laughs> yes, yes, good. Good. That's what we aim for here. Yeah. So we're, we're on camera. Yeah, man. So... 
What is this for? I'm actually filming a documentary. The title is in the works, but it's called The Ugly Model. Mm-hmm. And it's about a Korean adoptee who doesn't feel like they fit in, feeling very insecure, uh-huh. gets into the modeling world somehow, feels very unattractive in the modeling world, and still finds his way throughout the modeling career, ends back in Philadelphia. If this sounds familiar, it's... Is it you? Are you the subject? <laughs> yes, it is. Actually, I felt very uncomfortable with it because it's going to be dealing with like a lot of the things in the past and not just talking about modeling, but the ugly side, mm-hmm. you know, like the insecurities, the things that I did that I'm not really proud of um, in my life, how I've overcome that okay. and became the person I am today which is just being very active in the communities around mm-hmm. me, you know, not just in Philadelphia, the Asian American communities too, and just overall wellness. Okay. Well, let's get into some of that. So, yeah. not, you know, not to spoil the documentary too much or anything, but like, did you grow up around Philly or, or uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah. So I was adopted. That's how I know you, Mike. You're That's actually right. one of the only uh, Asian guys that I know with a very full Irish Italian name. That's that's me. <laughs> Irish and Italian. You're the only Asian guy I know. With that. Really? You're the only one. Yeah. No way. With an Irish and Italian? I guess. I guess. Yeah, Is that yeah. true? It's, I guess it's true. You might be the only one. <laughs> I come from that very strong Italian Irish background. It's tell. true. It's a true story. Yeah, that's why you have that button. Is, yeah, the button that's missing. <laughs> so you could if it was it should go deeper and I should be wearing like a thin gold chain if it's you want to get really stereotypical about it. Yeah. <laughs> But I, uh, I grew up and in a very white family, just like you, uh-huh. and just feeling very out of place. Not because of my family. I know each adoptee is different, but my family was totally loving and supportive. Uh-huh. It was everybody else who wasn't. You know, like your peers. Your community. Your community, your yeah. peers. They make you feel really different. They make you feel really less than everybody mm-hmm. else. And, you know, they always say it's good to be different. Mm-hmm. But the way they did it and the way I felt from it, I didn't feel different. I felt worse. Mm. And I felt very insecure growing up. And especially as a kid with glasses, skinny as hell, yeah, not very good at math nor science. Oh, that's me. Yeah. I'm, oh, terrible. You- I'm terrible at math and science. Mike, I feel like we have so much more We have so much in common. I grew up very skinny as well. So which part of Pennsylvania did you grow up in? Which, uh, I was where in, is this? I was in Maniunk, Roxborough area. I okay. I don't know if you know where I that is. I have no is. idea where that is. So it's... Is that close to Philly? It is in Philly, actually. It's the same zip oh, okay. Code. Okay. But it's not center city. So it's like suburbs of Philadelphia. Exactly. And... My family put me in private school because the, the other school systems just aren't conducive. For, aren't very good. Aren't very good at all. I, but like the, the public school system, the public school system in Philly just wasn't safe, wasn't good. Uh-huh. And I, when I went to private schools, very white. Yeah. Um, they made it very apparent that it was very white. Mm-hmm. And was then it like it, a Catholic school or it's Catholic school mm-hmm. exactly. So like going to Catholic school. There can only be, like, one Asian guy at the table. <laughs> they met the quota. Right. One black guy at the table. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with high school. High school is even worse. And I still remember seeing in high school, there'd be all the black football players all on one table. Mm-hmm. And I think once in a while, there'd be, like, a cameo appearance. <laughs> by by, who? by, by an a Asian? black guy. No, yeah. by me. I was actually permanent there, but I was super quiet in high school. Oh, uh, okay. You weren't on the football team? I was. You were on the football I was, team. I just felt very, like, out of place didn't really feel good about myself and 
I, I mean, even though I was athletic, I didn't have equal opportunity because I didn't go to grade school with everybody else. Everybody mm. went to grade school and played football together, and then... So they all came up with each other. They all came up with each other, and I was, like, the new guy. And yeah. Even though I was, like, one of the third, fourth fastest person on the team, I still didn't have that equal opportunity. Um, and then my coach made me turn into a lineman, even though I was a wide receiver, junior. Okay. So I kind of just gave up as a high school kid. So I don't, I, don't, I'm not, I don't know anything about football. What's the difference between like a lineman and, and a wide receiver? Lineman basically could uh, enter, enter the wing bowl competition and uh, overweight, but big, right? Just big guys. And then wide receivers are like the athletic, skinny, uh-huh. good hand-eye coordination. They and run real fast. Run real fast. And that's that's exactly what I was, though. But um, I, I, they, they So why'd they make like, you a lineman, then? I don't really know. It was <laughs> just very, like, as a high schooler, like, when you're 15 or 16, you don't question things. Okay. You just kind of go with it. You're okay. like, all right, coach. Right. Let's you, do it. You must know better than me. <laughs> and it just sucked, so I lost motivation. Um, and in high school, I got really heavy into drinking, actually. Oh, yeah? yeah. Like, what age What age are we talking about here? 14. 14? Yeah. That sounds about, like, when kids start experimenting with uh, alcohol and drugs right. and stuff like that. So 14, get really into alcohol, uh-huh. start getting more into that because it gave me a lot of confidence. Mm. And I forgot that I was white. So I wasn't white. I forgot that liquid I was courage. Liquid courage. and But like, it got so good to me that I forgot about sports. I was like, well, mm. I'll just keep drinking, you know? Um, so alcohol became the priority. Yeah, because it, it, it made me forget that like I wasn't liked by people, you know? Were you? Were you not liked by people, or is that just something that you perceived? See, that's the thing I perceived. Uh-huh. I, I actually don't know, but I was just so shy and just growing up being made fun of and mm-hmm. feeling different and never having a girlfriend and Asian girls saying, like, I'm not into Asian guys, mm. I'm not attracted to them. All of that kind of just played in with my head. And when you're growing up, you don't know what to do with that. No one yeah. taught you that. Like, there's no YouTube channel back then. Yeah, or sure. anything telling you or people don't know. Um, and also what made it worse, too, is I had Tourette's syndrome growing up when I was a little kid. Did you? Well, I guess I technically do. It's a neurological disorder. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So that kind of made me feel even more insecure. But when I got into athletics... People started to have the respect for me. They started having respect for me. Mm. My tics went away, and I felt more confident, so I got really into athletics then. So it was athletics, and then alcohol kind of took over for that. Yeah, and then I was trying to do athletics, and then what ended up happening is I didn't make any teams in college, so I joined a fraternity in college Mm -hmm. after high school and just started getting into bodybuilding more Mm -hmm. um, post-college. It was my first year out of college, and I became... A professional, or I tried to go for a professional bodybuilding career, but it's just so unsustainable in the naturals. You have to do steroids if you want really want to make a Jeez. living. So yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? I went to college at Temple University. Okay, so you stayed in Philly. Stayed in Philly. You ended up liking Philly a lot. You're just like, let's just stick around here, or was that just? Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, so much. Not so much. Actually, I got turned down from University of Pittsburgh. That was okay. my number one. So you school. wanted to go to Pittsburgh? I wanted to go to University of Pittsburgh, and I got turned down. And my best friend actually made it to University of Pittsburgh, so uh-huh. I ended up going to Temple because I was just like Temple's well, a good school. It, it's really good now. Yeah, but like back then, it's upcoming. 
Oh, okay. It was upcoming. And I just thought, you know what? Might as well. Like, I think I'm going to stay in Philly because my family's mm-hmm. here. Sure. I want to get a wife and kids after I graduate college. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, I was like that, you know? That was like, the plan, huh? That was the plan. Until my parents got divorced when I was 25. And that's when I was like, fuck this plan. Why am I staying here? It kind of like, mm. it was a good and bad thing because it was like, it was bad in the sense of like it crashed like everything I believed Sure, yeah. In. And then it was good because I realized I don't have to stay in Philly. I don't have to have this career that maybe I don't really have any interest in. Mm. And I can explore things. So it opened up a whole new world for me at the same yeah. time. So you go to what did you end up studying while you're in Temple? Exercise science. Exercise science. So you're like all in on this nutrition, bodybuilding, fitness thing from the start. Yeah, from the start. But actually, I forgot about it for a while because I got burnt out. You know, like there's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a lot of things in the natural bodybuilding industry that don't, don't really exist anymore. Like some like of the what? some of the, uh, the supplements you would take, mm-hmm. they really fuck with your hormones a lot and oh, yeah? very emotional Ima- imagine that yeah imagine that right yeah <laughs> and then um, so were you on a lot of those hormones and everything yeah, while you were doing the bodybuilding yeah and it was new nobody knew what the hell they were so what was it it was uh, the, it's precursors to testosterone okay so it's not actually testosterone going in you uh huh but the problem with that is it's chemically induced which mm-hmm. we didn't know back then which aren't allowed in competition so it kind of messed with your anymore or was it always banned it was well no it wasn't always banned okay it was just that when they FDA started to discover this then they realized oh it was Mark McGuire Oh, yeah, from Mark, yeah, Mark McGuire. Yeah, those sure. were technically over-the-counter steroids then. Back so, in the day. Right, so what supplement companies would do is just not make it as powerful uh-huh. and just like a precursor to all that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah. It was technically legalized. Sure. There's like a – I just read this crazy article. Uh, I forget what magazine it was in. It was about Maria Sharapova because she got banned, I guess, from the United States Tennis Association or something this year. And it's because she was on this drug. And it's like a, and now it's a performance enhancing drug, but last year it was not. Right. And so they just regulated it, and it was like I guess to to get her out. So she had to compete with everybody else instead of the elites this year. It's really similar to that stuff. Uh-huh. And basically each, and that's why I didn't want to do it anymore because yeah. everybody's taking it now, which is only like a very small step away from actually taking steroids. Yeah. So I was just like, well, steroids apparently is a little bit safer, even you know. Is it? Well, yeah, because it's like literally it regulated. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they're illegal, they're regulated. These chemicals, it could be like Joe Schmo just in sure. his lab, just not knowing anything and just make stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So you don't know what's happening. And then I was like, I was getting burned out from that. And then just still like feeling that there was more that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I went to New York and became a model with my roommate, Parker, um, who's also still a model. And we lived together and created this modeling um, career that we both pursued. So how long do you still model? You still model? I technically still do model. Like it's okay. been on the back burner a little bit because I live in Philly. My agents want me to be in New York, mm-hmm. but I make the castings that I can. It's still an income for me. It's still something I really enjoy doing mm-hmm. on my free time. Okay, but a lot of times now I'm just so involved with not just coaching, nutrition, fitness, traveling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to do more of the, these type of engagements yeah. too. The documentary, 
going to Bali and Asia for a little bit. It's rough. <laughs> right. I know. But it's just, it's like the modeling kind of just slipped away a little bit. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, like, until there's more equal opportunity in the modeling industry, especially for muscular Asian guys, I know, like, that seems like a weird prejudice. It seems have. like there's a lot of work in Korea for that, but I don't know about, I haven't seen too much of it here in the U.S. Yeah. So, like, in the U.S., uh, Asian models are more upcoming these days, especially female Asian models. Mm-hmm. But for a muscular for Asian a male, guys, it's still like unheard of, mm-hmm. and that's where I struggle with that. Yeah, it's rare to see. So, where are there certain companies and uh, places that employ like specifically Asian models or do that more more equal opportunity based than not really than others? No? I mean, there's a lot of. Asian modeling agencies, but they're mostly for women. Mm-hmm. Women make a lot of money in the industry, and then the Asian males kind of make the least amount. Yeah. And but what got me into modeling was I saw this one guy, Daniel Liu, mm-hmm. who's uh, with Ford back in I think it was two thousand eight, and I was like, holy cow, there's another Asian guy I can model. Even though like I, was, I had that feeling, I was yeah. like, I think I could do it. Uh, and then I saw that I was like, "Oh yeah, we can!" Like, there's actually opportunity now, which is mm-hmm. cool. So he broke that whole that belief I thought, which is like we can't be models. And here he was doing it. But my whole passion was fitness. Yeah. So when I stopped working out, I lost like 25 pounds of muscle. Yeah. And I didn't feel good about myself. It goes pretty quick. <laughs> if you don't maintain it, I think it's like you take a couple yeah. of weeks off and it's gone. I kept my shirt buttoned just like you for a long period of time. For yes. a very well, that's why I do it. <laughs> but I, I got back into fitness after uh, I got burnt out from not just modeling, uh-huh. but just the whole New York lifestyle, not making much money. It's, yeah, it can be tough here. Yeah, like catering. I was mm-hmm. doing all this stuff that wasn't fitness and health sure it was literally just modeling catering and i forgot about fitness you know because it mm-hmm. was just like duh like do something that you that you love is healthy for you too yeah um so when i came back when i was in new york i got so stressed out i lived with five roommates in harlem and i'm like you know this is it man <laughs> This is, like, not a way to live. You know? Yeah, it's there's, crazy. There's five other roommates. There's a cat in there that just shits <laughs> all over the place. People are yelling at each other. I literally just lose it all of a sudden because I'm not working. I'm not modeling. And then I lose my hair from alopecia areata, uh, an autoimmune disease. And really? stress-induced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that'll do it. That- Living in Harlem with five roommates and cat shit. Yeah, so I lost it, man. Like, and I, I, I literally just could not take it anymore. And I mm-hmm. lost a lot of my hair. I had to buzz whatever was left off. Talk about not modeling anymore. Like, my modeling and everything was gone. And actually, that's mm-hmm. when I felt the worst about myself ever was when that happened. Yeah, I can and, imagine that. Yeah, and then that's when the skateboard trip happened. And then that's when I came back to Philadelphia. And I realized, man... I need to do something in my life. Like, why am I doing this anymore? You know? Did you say a skateboard trip? Yeah. So I did a skateboard trip from Los Angeles to New York in 2013 or no, 2014. So what does that entail? A penny board and big wheels, uh, a GoPro and a chase car driver until Chicago. So do you just like skateboard across the country? Yes. On a penny board. What is a penny board? Oh, penny boards like... <laughs> Really small skateboard. It's oh, those okay. little plastic things you yeah, see yeah, yeah. doing in the city with. Uh-huh. And that's what I did the skateboard trip. So you just skateboarded across 
The U.S.? Yeah, we, we, I went up to, uh, shit, uh, not the Rockies, but somewhere around there. And uh-huh. Then I went back down, and then I went to Chicago, and from Chicago, Rocky went home because we ran out of funds. Okay. Uh, we were totally out of money. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a production company um, out in L.A. that wanted to do it, and had me with it. It's a very small budget. Very okay. small budget. Nothing big. And it was going to be more of a personal journey. And But it turned into more of a uh, race just to get back to Oh, really? Flow. Yeah, because the funds were so low. Oh, my God. Like, I did not expect to be paying for a car to get fixed. Gas. Oh, like, yeah. It was yeah, just supposed these... to be me. You know? Like, no, the mouth to feed and take care of and all these, like, giveaways. And I'm just like, what? What happened? You know? Like, this self-discovery and journey turned into this whole production, which I didn't really want. Mm. So are you, that's how it started? It was supposed to be a self-discovery thing? Yeah, totally. It was supposed to be. And I actually got more out of it after the skateboard trip. Mm. And I didn't know what the purpose of all of that was. I just So, well, yeah, what was the, what'd you get out of it? What was the purpose well, that you found? My purpose was I found that everything in life has led me to where I am now. Obviously, that sounds very cliche-ish, but I thought that, oh my God, my purpose is to go out to LA, be a Hollywood actor, do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the scariest thing was, was actually staying still in Philadelphia to not just get my life back together again, but to meet the people that I have that have guided me to actually become the person I am today. Getting okay. back into fitness, nutrition, realizing that probably my higher purpose wasn't to be an L.A. actor. Mm. I mean, if it happens, great. But the thing is, it wasn't happening for me, and I kept forcing things, you mm. know? And then when I got back into nutrition and even modeling, if, if it, everything just flowed. Like, it was working for me, you know, not against me. Yeah. And when I real, it doesn't mean there's still not... There's still struggles once in a while. There is today even. But, like, everything just seemed to flow. Mm-hmm. I felt a huge sense of purpose. I felt driven. I didn't dread waking up. I didn't have to cater anymore. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I could unbutton my shirt. You know, like... <laughs> down to the first or second down to the Down to my belly button. Yeah, not yeah. feeling conscious. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those things that I just realized, like, I was trying to be somebody I wasn't Mm -hmm. you know like I thought I had to be an asshole to get girls I thought I had to be an asshole to be light or or, you know just all of that where'd you you get that impression from well you just see all these assholes on TV and they get all the girls they get all the girls yeah and like they they get places it seems Uh like and especially with reality television you know you're like ooh you gotta be a bro and a douche and I'm like Look, I have douchey moments, mm. but, like, you don't have to be a douche. Yeah. You know, you can have more depth and substance to you, and I thought that's what... It's always, it's always good. Right. <laughs> I think girls like that. I think people <laughs> like that. But I thought that's what had to happen for me to get places, and I mm. still remember my buddy Parker. He said to me, he's like, just be you, and the rest will follow. Yeah. And same thing with this mentor of mine. Well, he's, he didn't know he was a mentor of mine, but his name is Greg Plitt. He passed away. He was the number mm-hmm. one fitness model. But I remember watching one of his videos, and he's like, if I tried to be somebody for everybody, I'll become nobody. So it's like he just was the best at what he could do, mm-hmm. the best body, and show up and be the best. And brands like Nike didn't want him. But Under Armour sure did. And he became like one of these people that said, you can do it all. He's like, I became this fitness brand. Modeling brands wanted me. 
movies, blah, blah, And I was like, whoa, that's kind of like what I thought in the beginning. But for some reason, I listened to everybody saying, Asians can't be that big. You mm-hmm. can't be that big to model. You can't be that muscular. And I was like, well, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. And just let the cards lay where they may. And mm-hmm. that's exactly kind of what happened. So you go back to Philly after this penny board documentary experience. And you start to get your life back in line, it sounds like. Yeah, totally. And there's something about Philadelphia that I love. It's the comfort of it. It's a very mm-hmm. easy city to excel in. But for what, I, for, for what I'm coming across now, too, it, it can get too comfortable. Mm. You know, where like in what ways? It's so comfortable that like nothing drives you. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you just like it's a great city for friends and family and raising a child, mm. which sounds great to most people. But the problem is, well, if you're that, into that, right? <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not really ready for that stuff uh-huh. yet. But what it is, it's like the creative minds aren't there like you want. The people mm. who actually have the extreme talent. And all or nothing, like, let's do this. You know, you don't see too many people like that. And I'm not saying, like, I want to be around that. And Mm -hmm. it's just that, to me, I think it has its place. Well, there's got to be, like, a happy medium, right? So you go to L.A. where it's like you're trying to force yourself into these boxes you might not necessarily be good at. And keep trying and trying and trying. Versus Philly, it sounds like it's just kind of taking it easy and everything like that. Exactly. And I think it's great for me to get my life back in order. Uh What I found, though, is, like, uh, what was great discovery is uh, the places that I went back to like LA, Miami, mm-hmm. um, I didn't enjoy anymore. Hmm. I was like, Ooh, I don't like this place anymore. Like, this whole time I thought I was going to move there, become this actor. Yeah. Then I realized I'd rather just speak my own words than some fucking writer's words that was mm-hmm. rushed to like write a script in the next 30 <laughs> minutes, you know? And then they get pissed off cause you're not saying things word for word. I'm like, you know what? I'm better off with my own words. You know, mm-hmm. there's something that now just speaks through me and a lot of these script writers for movies, it's a lot of shit on television and movies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then the shit that like Asian males get are even shittier. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would I do that? If I'm going to get back into that, I'm going to create my own work. Mm. And I found that social media and what I'm doing right now, especially in the communities I'm at, allow me to express that part of me without having Hollywood mm-hmm. wash it out. And it's an equal playing field now, whereas like Hollywood, you don't have an equal playing field. So when did you start splitting your time between New York and Philadelphia? I still do it. I yeah. mean, like it's still. Do so you live in Philly still? I still live in Philly. It can be tough sometimes because I'm out here three or four times a week. Sometimes, yeah. um, since I've cut back on modeling a little bit more, I'm, I'm still up here weekly, mm-hmm. and I, it, it can be tough because part of me. You know, this is where I'm not perfect in what I do. There's still a little fear of going back to where I was before, mm-hmm. which is dirt poor, lose everything, lose my hair again, <laughs> live in an apartment that's shitty and under and overvalued, right? Um, but also, too, I know there's opportunity here. But the way I'm looking at it and approaching it is like my social media and who I can be outside of all those agencies and career opportunities and the media in Hollywood, I can create that on my own now. Like yeah. this, I don't know if it would have happened if I actually lived in New York mm. because my mind would have been fucked up. Like if I do it now, I don't know. Do I want to live in New York? Only when I... F- like, I don't want to come to New York to make it. Mm-hmm. I want to come to New York because I already did. And mm-hmm. this is just where I want to be. That's so where do you want to make it then? Well, actually, that's where I'm exploring Asia now. Like, okay. Um, 
because I loved Asia when I was in there for Thailand and, you know, Hong Kong was a little rough, but like, I still liked it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I just feel like maybe I'm in a wrong place to like to people who want my help, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe it is in Asia and I just need to be in Asia. Could be. Um, but when I was in Asia modeling, I wasn't doing fitness. Now I'm doing fitness and modeling. So it's like, it could be something that could guide me. And right now I'm just kind of at this phase where I'm like, I know what I want to do now. I don't mm-hmm. want to give it up ever. And I just think that things will align now just because I, I have my it's more purposeful whereas mm-hmm. before it was for like dumb shit like oh I want to be on cover of GQ magazine it's not bad it's not bad but what happens afterwards sure do you have an end goal in mind yeah there is no end goal when you have a GQ magazine you know like <laughs> My angle was just more purposeful, like in a sense, like I want to help other other men, especially Asian men, feel really good about themselves, mm. feel confident and masculine, even though despite these social stereotypes that they have on mm-hmm. us, and realize that if we give up our own power by letting other women, other men dictate how we feel about ourselves, which I did my, almost all my life, mm-hmm. we become weaker. Well, I mean, there weren't a whole lot of... Asian American men or Asian men that were kind of uh, role models for you and I growing up, really. Yeah. Like, who was there? Who? I'm 32. Yeah, we're same, basically the same age. But, like, I, I remember every time I would see an Asian person, uh-huh. they'd be the butt of the joke. Sure, it's like Long Duck Dong yeah. and all those characters. And, it, like, be ashamed to be Asian, you know? Yeah. So it's like... And then we... You know, um, unfortunately, some races massacred our our only person, which was Bruce Lee at the time, by mm-hmm. mocking us with karate chops and stuff. Sure, you know? yeah. So, like, yeah, like, we had nobody at the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely not in the modeling industry. No, no. If anything, it was, yeah, it was stuff like uh, Bruce Lee, Jet Li, Jackie Chan. Yeah. It was never anybody, like, a model or somebody that women were, like, super hot about. Yeah. Right? It was, like, even in those Jet Li movies, like, he's a badass, but, like, he never gets with Ali in the end. Never. Actually, they <laughs> cut that. I saw the version when they did. They, they got together in one version? In, in the first week, I saw it in theaters, and I was like, this is great. And then I heard it got taken out, and I was a little upset. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, that's breaking boundaries, but I guess we weren't ready for it then. Right. I think now we are. I would, I would hope so, but I don't know. I have yet to see it on, like, TV or something like that. What do you think? Does, you know, I would assume I haven't dated in a long time, and it's certainly and now beyond the age of, like, online dating, so I have no idea what that's about. Is there a lot of that at play uh, on the online sphere, I guess? Well, I got to tell you, man. Like, race politics? I mean, it must be, right? Definitely. I mean, like, I... Just this isn't a normal dating experience for me in the months that I've had, but like lately, like I've, you know, I've tried the dating apps a little bit again. Uh huh. Um, because you know you read about all these like uh, prejudice against Asian guys and blacks, and you know I kind of knew that a long time ago, and it didn't help my self esteem. That's why I, I deleted them. But mm-hmm. I tried it again, and lo and behold, I'm like, yeah, it's it's still there. Like I I. Basically, I don't strike gold ever, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I end up, like, swiping a few times. All the hot ones never swipe back, so I'm like, okay, so what ends up happening? I was like, oh, well, I just want to get one swipe, <laughs> one match. So then, my, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, this one's okay, let me just... And then it gets even lower. <laughs> you just start lowering lower. like, your standards. And then finally, one says yes, and I'm like, oh, God, all right, I guess 
I'll do it, you know? And then, <laughs> but then, you know, the ones that you want to show up and never swipe you, but then what ends up happening is like, you're not really into it. And uh-huh. then like, you know, I'll, what makes it even worse for me is like when I get stood up on a date or, you know, cause that's actually happened a few times lately. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I got stood up a few times and it doesn't make your self esteem feel good. You sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. So it makes me frustrated dating sometimes. And then, um, you know, they'll cancel or want to reschedule uh-huh. like when you're about to meet up. And, um, I just realized the online dating platforms, especially I think for Asian males, like, can actually make you feel more insecure. Sure. It almost like justifies everything but makes you more angry. I'm sure that's everybody on there. I'm sure right? there's more, but it's like for what I've come across, like it just happens a lot. And I talk to my white friends, they're like, um, I think I remember once in my life being stood up for a date. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you see, you probably. That's, that's surprising. Yeah, but I'm just saying though, and like, I was like, man, I've probably had that three times in the last month. You huh. know? So it's like, uh, something's not working here, you know? And I'm not trying to say it's, oh, it's the stereotypes, but it's just like, that can make an Asian guy, especially someone like me, too, like, not feel good about mm-hmm. it. It doesn't build self esteem or character. <laughs> so I'm really about to delete it again, you know? It's not doing good for me. Well, I'm not sure. I like, is, uh, and again, maybe this is me being prejudiced because. I, I again, I don't, I've never lived in the age when I was dating of the dating apps. But it was like, how are you supposed to meet people these days? I guess just uh, go to bars or join gyms and uh, <laughs> try to be a personal trainer, some cute girls. Like, what do you, what do you do? I don't know these days, man. Like, that's the thing. I've met girls, but like, they're usually just acquaintances through friends. Uh-huh. You know, there's no there you go, friends of friends. Uh, I met a lot of married women, but we're just friends sure like so but that's what's really tough i'm really i really don't know and you know uh, instagram i've met some people through instagram Uh which is like kind of weird actually for me to even share that but like i've met some women through instagram and it's not meant to be a dating app sure that i seem to get more women interested in me but you're like a public figure you have uh you know you have a lot of followers i imagine i have a fair amount yeah how many followers you get um I think it's like 88,000. You have 88,000 followers on Instagram? On Instagram. Jeez, man. Yeah, so it's been good for me in that sense. Yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) It's not bad. But I... um, You're like a celebrity. I don't know about that either. I don't like to say that just because it's like, you know, for me, Instagram is literally just to get my message out there. Uh You know, like I don't like to associate myself with Instagram. Like, oh, this is Kevin Kreider's lifestyle and this is... Why not? Well, it's because it's... Yeah, 88,000 followers. I mean, they must be following you for some reason, right? Yeah, but I think it's because it's... um, They call them thought leaders. Like, I I like to put stuff out there that I'm going through or Uh that I've uncovered or discovered and then people kind of seem to take on that. Okay. And, um... Actually, if it weren't for my dad, I probably wouldn't have any social media. Really? Yeah. Well, well, your da- that's the story I never hear, is my dad got me into social media. So what is the story behind this? Well, when I, <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous. This is crazy. Uh, when I came back from um, the skateboard trip, I didn't have anything. No uh-huh. Facebook, no Instagram. Um, well, actually, I just started an Instagram just for the skateboard trip. And I remember mm-hmm. talking to him. I was like, I- I'm going to get rid of it again. You know, Instagram. And he's like... Kevin, for what you want to do in your life, if you don't have social media, you're probably going to get lost behind the crowd. Hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that was like, 
goal wow. from a dad. And he's like, yeah, it's not. Like, just take you out of it, though. Like, uh-huh. you're not your social media. And I was like, ooh, that made sense. I mean, I'm making him sound like a Zen-like master. He's yeah. not. But it, it was just one of those things where he said to me, you know, just you have to get back into it. Take selfies if you need to. That's mm-hmm. what your whole generation's doing. That's true. And he's saying, like, don't be vain about it, but just get in it. Uh-huh. Um, share your brand and what you do. Yeah, yeah. And that made a lot of sense to me, so I started doing that, and it just blew up. Yeah, sounds like it. So well, this is an interesting question, right? So uh, only white parents would say that. I feel like, right? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good. Well, what is your relationship with your father? How is that? Because he sounds pretty cool. Yeah. The guy who's going to be like, you'd have to get yourself out there with social media. Yeah, he's he's great, man. Like when I was younger, I thought he was annoying as fuck. Like I didn't get along <laughs> with him that well. Um, but, Why? Because he was, was he tough on you or something? No, he was very um. Teachy, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But what I realized as I got older is that this dude's wise. He's trying to help you out. Yeah, he's just trying to help me out. You know, like when you're a kid though, you're like, get off my case, I can do it myself. Exactly. And uh-huh. I want to, and I realized like, man, my dad's got my back, you know, as mm-hmm. I got older and uh well that's another thing that I don't share too often, but like the divorce actually um set me to get closer to my dad. Because I started to hang out with him more, one-on-one. Um, and I realized, man, this dude just, like, he's like me, too. But, like, in a sense of, like, he was a kid at one time. Sure. He was finding his way. Yeah. And he just wants his own child to, like, he wants to carry his learning to mm-hmm. his child. And here I was not listening to any of it for years. And now I listen to a lot of his stuff, you know. And he was smart, like, the social media thing. If I didn't do that, I don't know where I'd be right now. Yeah. Did you ever get in trouble with him over like the alcohol or the the uh, hormones and all that stuff? No, no. He was actually really cool with that. Like I remember getting caught with alcohol when I was in high school. He grounded me, man, and made me call all the parents up that ever rode in my car. And actually, one of them, one of them. I don't know if you know who Matt Ryan is. He's a uh, quarterback for the Falcons. Okay. I had to call his dad up. You had to call Matt Ryan's dad. Co- Ryan's dad and, up, and the quarterback tell, yeah, for the Falcons. Tell him about like, oh, your son was in my car and I had alcohol, and it's just like it was so humiliating. What did he say? What did all these parents say to you? I can't remember. They're exactly. like disappointed. No, <laughs> they weren't like sad. Yeah, <laughs> it was just so humiliating, man. I was just like, okay, I'll never drive with alcohol in the car again. I mean, that's a good. That's an important lesson. Right, but it was in such a way that it wasn't like him being an asshole. It was just like, remember this. Yeah, and you do. And I do. That's what I'm sharing. So it worked. It worked. I, so it sounds like he, he's giving you a lot of lessons at work. Yeah, definitely. So, but was he like a, did you feel that he was a positive male role model in your life early on or was it after the divorce primarily? It was after the divorce primarily. Actually. So you're like already an adult by then. You're 25. Yeah, yeah. And actually... It's one of those weird things, too. I, uh, the skateboard trip, I thought I'd live with my dad for a couple months, get my life back in order. Right. He kicked me out after two weeks. <laughs> he kicked you out? Was there a, a, an incident, or was it just like, you need to get off your ass and go do your own thing? It was exactly that. Like, there was this, after a big trip like that, apparently there's a huge depression that happens to a lot of people because mm-hmm. you're just so used to being on endorphin rush. Yeah. You have purpose, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's not like I had the purpose of going 
back to New York and modeling again and pursuing a career. It was like, what do I do now? Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was the best thing he's ever done for me, which is say, you have to get your own apartment. You have to leave. You mm-hmm. need to start doing things. I can't help you out and give you a car to go to L.A. Because he's like, what money do you have? What do you want to do out there? The uh-huh. acting hasn't worked out. Like, it was tough love for him. Yeah, not yeah. in the sense of, like, he was going to beat me over it. It was like... Like, I can't have... I can't promote this for yeah. you. I can't help you just... got to push you out of the nest. Yeah. And it hurt because I was really pissed off. Yeah. But it was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Tough, tough medicine. It sounds like it worked. Mm-hmm. So you, you end up getting kicked out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go? Did you find an apartment? The worst apartment I've ever been in, and I hope they're not listening to this, but my cousin hooked me up with his friends in Fishtown. Uh-huh. And it was the worst apartment I've ever lived in in my life. What was so bad about it? This is worse than the cat shit and the five roommates? Oh, well, I mean, this was the worst apartment my whole life in the sense of, like, it's not really mine. I'm just uh-huh. subletting with a couple who just took me in. Okay. And I just remember, and maybe it wasn't even the worst when it comes to aesthetically, but, like, it just felt like the worst. Mm. Like I was like... But you just weren't in a good place. I was not in a good place, man. Like, at all. I'm like, I still want to be an actor, I think. I think. Uh-huh. I'm going to move to L.A., but at, with what money? Like, I spent everything trying to survive in New York. Yep. About three to six months without modeling, so no income. The skateboard trip. It was a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't working out for me. So how did you end up getting back on your feet? I went back to training, to personal training, because that's what I was good at. Uh-huh. I found that um, I enjoyed training people, um, but I really enjoyed the nutrition part a lot, actually, and I realize that now, but it's like... That's like most of it, right? Yeah, most of it is nutrition, mm-hmm. and I, I love that part. Um, and I got my feet back into modeling again, booked some jobs. Um, after I saw that Greg Plitt video I was talking uh-huh. about, about him just saying, just be the best and don't give a fuck what everybody wants you to be. But be the best you. Yeah, that you want to be. Yeah. You know, and um, I realized there was things I needed to work on too. Like my, you know, like I was just being an asshole. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then I met people. Well, in what way? So you said you don't want to be like the douchey guy anymore because that's how it was out in LA. Right. So uh-huh. I didn't want to be the douchey guy and. I, I always thought you had to burn your bridges with people, like, to, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, just burn all your bridges, like Will Smith says, right? It's like, that's not... That's Is that not, what he says? Well, yeah. But, fresh well, not, 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 like, with people, but, like, no options, right? Uh-huh. So that's what I did. I, like, said, fuck Philadelphia, I'm just focusing on New York. But really, it's like, you know... For me, I've, I realized that's not what he meant. He's like, just make it as a, like, you have to succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I took that mm-hmm. as, okay, all my friends in the past are shit. That doesn't mean anything. And oh, wow. that was a dumb way of thinking, you know? And I just stopped talking <clears throat> to people. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was mean to girls, you know? But part of that, too, is because, like, I felt, like, justified. Because, like, girls were so mean to me. So now mm-hmm. it's my turn, you know? So it's like an insecurity thing. Totally, 100%. Yeah. And some people call it bullying because it's like, you know, bullies well, yeah. do it to others because they're... Because they're insecure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, or like they, they have a dad who beats them or whatever yeah, yeah. happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't have that. No, I didn't have that. <laughs> um, but I will say this, though. It's because, like, I know and I don't empathize with bullies to actually hurt people. But, like, I know mm-hmm. this for a fact. When you're hurting... You end up hurting other people. Or you lash out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really work on myself a lot, 
you know, not just through meditation, but like, for instance, getting off the alcohol and mm-hmm. the kicks and spending all my money on all that shit. I had to find other people in my life who mentored me through my, through my journey mm-hmm. and, um, and lived with what you would call integrity even, you know, I don't, I didn't know what any of that was or values. Mm-hmm. It's like values. I just want to be a fucking actor. You know what I mean? There's no values in that. <laughs> it sounds like your parents tried to instill some values in you, and you just yeah. you didn't take until they were you were older. I didn't take any of that because that's just the way I I was just so insecure, man. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like I, I still have insecurities at times. Don't get me wrong, but it's they're my insecurities, and sure. I need to own it uh-huh. and work on it. It's not anybody else's fault. Do you think those are related to? Your Asianness, your adoption, or anything like that, or or, what? I mean, well, okay, I'll answer. And actually, I'd be interested to hear from you. Sure, yeah, this is a conversation. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think for 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 me, it was definitely because I thought like I I hated being Asian uh-huh. when I grew up. I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm. You know, I have a tan, I have black hair, uh, I have squinty eyes. You know, why? why this sucks. You know, of course, who would like to be Asian? Right. And I just thought for a long time that I could kind of hide it by, like, getting the approval of white people, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Dating a white person. Okay, Asian women don't want to date me. I'll find a white girl to make me happy then, you know? Like, all of that kind of stuff. Like, that's a little blatant. You thought that would be, like, better? You're like, I'll find a better girl? Yeah. A white girl? Right. And, Mm. I mean, you call call it self-hating Asian. You call it everything. I just consider it more like a like a non-accepting Asian person mm. you know like I didn't want to accept it so I did everything to try to like hide it from myself that I was Asian but everybody else knew <laughs> yeah you can't it's hard to hide that <laughs> unless you go around wearing a mask or something <laughs> so it's like no matter what I realized I was picking the girls for the wrong reasons uh-huh. and I was in relationships with the wrong reasons I was doing things for the wrong reasons the acting career for the wrong reasons and it just like was just like a big realization I'm like I'm Asian Asian mm-hmm. people are awesome I was told that they weren't or at least that's the story I told myself from the making fun of being bullied rejection from women mm-hmm. and it just turned into this thing where I couldn't let go of it and the moment I started letting go of it when I hung out with some guys at Abercrombie and Fitch in Fifth Avenue, they were Asian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, Asian people are cool. So then it's like I almost went the other way. I was like, I'm, I'm going to Asia, I'm going to model, do all this stuff, uh-huh. come back, get an Asian girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, you know, a little bit too into it. You know what I mean? There's like, <laughs> there's the a, there's a balance, you know? Right, but, yeah. I, but for me, it was like one of those cool things where I was like, oh my God, it's cool. Like, I don't have to be ashamed of it, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I actually love it now because it's like, it's it's part of me now, and it's part of my identity that I'm proud of. It's something I own up to, mm-hmm. and it's not something that anybody can take away anymore. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What about you? What what about me? What's the- <laughs> what about? I mean, okay. It's a real question. Like, did you hate being Asian growing up? Did I hate being Asian growing up? Uh. I don't think I hated being Asian growing up. Uh, when I was really like younger, I think I thought of myself kind of as, as white. Mm-hmm. My community was very white uh, or white focused, I guess. It was like actually pretty diverse in high school. But it was still like even all like the uh, diversity felt very white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like everything was pretty whitewashed uh, where I grew up. But 
I was pretty proud, I think, of my like Asianness to the point where it was like, yeah, you know, I almost like made it like across the bear, right? Mm. It was like I would do things uh, to like spite people, like like passive aggressively, like oh, you don't like like long hair? I'm gonna grow my hair out like really long, <laughs> you know? And then it was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just I wasn't like ashamed of being Asian. It was almost like I tried to emphasize so much my individuality that it was like uncool. It was like the opposite direction. It was like, well, then I'm going to do this because you think it's weird just as a fuck you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so do. I would like weird people out. I think I'd wear like, like one year I remember I bought like all the same pair of pants and a t-shirt, like the same t-shirts to wear every day of the week, like a cartoon character. <laughs> Like Charlie Brown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a black t-shirt and like khaki cargo pants. Like every day I'd wear the same thing. People were like, do you just not change? And I'm like, no, I have like just eight of these outfits. Yeah. (laughs) And people would be like, that's really weird. I'm like, yeah, it is. I think I did stuff like that too, actually. I think that's why I got into lifting so much is because, oh, oh, you expect me to be skinny and nerdy. Uh-huh. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to get buff. I mean, the tall part just happened. Thank God. I like, you know, I, mean, like, I always wanted to be tall. So I was like, yeah, it didn't I'm happen like, for me. Uh, <laughs> no matter how many. How, do you just like drink some milk? Like, what do you do for that? <laughs> I, I just man, lucked out. I just lucked out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it was just the, like, even for grades, I remember purposely not studying sometimes. I was like, oh, you think I'm nerdy and, like, so smart? Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to be super athletic and dumb. Do you think, like, you could have been good at math and science if you had, if you had like, tried? I think that was, like, one year I did that. Yeah. You know? But, like, um, I'm decent at science. I mean, I graduated with exercise science. I know I'm yeah, not yeah. the best at science because I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that if I'm not interested in it, I just can't learn it. Yeah, I'm the, I think I'm the same way. That's kind of why I, I hated acting, because like, the scripts were mm. so boring. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I can't get into this. And you want me to memorize this shit? Uh-huh. And then say it like, as, like it's my own words. It's like, do you know how boring this is? <laughs> I don't know. But that, I mean, that's just going off with acting. But it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed was improv acting. Actually. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, really yeah. Have that. you done any of that in the city? Not recently, but I would get back into it. Yeah. Me. It's just fun. That's one thing I want to it's get a good back time. into. Yeah. And there are, I feel like there aren't a whole lot of Asians that do that either. Not improv, no. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's because, I don't, I actually have no take on that. Do you think, maybe, I don't know, uh, like Asian Asians who aren't adopted, I guess I should say. Yeah. Like, do you think it's because their parents are like, no, you're going to be like a lawyer or a doctor. Like, you're not going to yeah. do acting. <laughs> you know, I hear about that, right? You see that a lot. You think lot. that's probably, tr- I, I think there might be something to that. I just, I, I think they have such high standards on their children. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I also found that too, which is very like, my parents didn't have those standards. Mm-hmm. They just, their standards were like, better fucking try. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't performance based like that. If I brought in a C, it was probably. But you tried hard. Right. It was probably because I'm in a super difficult school. Mm-hmm. I don't know French very well, nor do I want to learn French, like right. stuff like that. And they were like, that's cool. Don't, don't, we're not going to pressure you to have A's in that, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and they gave me the freedom to express myself and be who I am and do what I want to do. And I think that's a very um, Korean adopted thing, I guess, when it comes to Asians. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think there's less 
usually less pressure, I think, on just being like purely academic. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm not sure how many Asian parents are out there like encouraging their kids to go out for the football team. No, I don't know many. Not too many, right? No. <laughs> Like, it's it's mostly, like, you're going to study a lot. Yeah. I think. I will say this. My parents stopped me from doing karate, even though I wanted to do karate. Really? Why? Was that too dangerous? <laughs> I like to think they you know, were thinking ahead and were, like, talking about stereotypes, Kev? If you do karate, <laughs> that'd be total. But they thought it was, yeah, they thought it was too violent. So That's so funny. My parents are the opposite. I wanted to be on the football team, and they said, no, you're going to get hurt. But they enrolled me in Taekwondo. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think from the Taekwondo, is kind of similar. Like, I, I built a lot of confidence from that. But it was also, I think, a cultural thing for me, too. I, I probably wouldn't have gotten that from football. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, that's it's funny you say that, because like, I actually gave up tennis because of cultural acceptance, you know? Like, really? Yeah, I love tennis. I just got burnt out from playing football and tennis at the mm-hmm. same time. And then baseball was the same season as tennis. I had to choose one, but I'm like, uh, uh my friends, or they weren't even friends. Oh, uh, yeah. They were just people I, like, drove around the parties because I had a car. And, like... And then you had to call all your parents later. Right, and then I... <laughs> so embarrassing but anyway um i gave up tennis because i was like even though i was better at tennis it was my best sport um because i just wanted to Mm. so bad just be accepted by these people who didn't even accept me really but you'll do a lot for that acceptance right i did it in the past in the past and now it's weird it's like going back to the acceptance thing like well, the moment that I started to turn it inward, like, I need to extend myself first. Right. And flaws and good stuff. Uh-huh. It's not like I accept the flaws in a sense of, like, oh, I'm just an asshole. I'm just going to be an asshole. Right. Like, I take, I look at it now and say, well, why am I being an asshole? Oh, it's probably because I'm feeling insecure mm-hmm. right now. Whereas before, I didn't have that introspection. Yeah. It was just... Well, like, it's a very... It's a, I think that comes with maturity, too. Yeah. And, well... I do know a lot of 40-year-olds who don't do that, you know? Well, yeah. I do think if you get older <clears throat> and you're fortunate enough to do that, uh-huh. yes, you can. Because I know a ton of people who are older than me and just don't have that. They don't give a fuck for it. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. You know, I think you need to reflect on your life, the decisions you make. Because that's how you learn and that's mm-hmm. how you grow, you know? And... And that's the thing that I, I really do a lot of is to do that, especially now in my life, just because I realize I've done so much. You know, I, I've I know if I I know I could consider myself successful, mm-hmm. but I don't consider myself successful because I think that also keeps me going. Well, that's good. That's good. Did did somebody have to eventually tell you that, or was it something that you came to it yourself? I think it's a mixture of being told that and then finally just saying, okay. I can I can see I can see it from the outside uh-huh. that I from the outside it looks successful, but you know this just like everybody else. What you see on the outside is really not what's going on at home or sure. with the person. And from the outside on social media with all the partying and stuff, it looked like I was doing great, mm-hmm. but really nobody knew that I was sucking at life. Mm. And now it's like it looks good. But I'm like, I just know there's way more, you know, like there's way more people I can get in touch with. There's mm-hmm. way more even young teenagers who are Asian American that might feel the same way that we did, like a little out of place, right? Not feeling good, 
feeling like, oh my god, like maybe I should just be this lawyer or doctor, uh-huh. but I really love art, yeah, or whatever it is, um, or like a comedian or something. Mm-hmm. It's like go do it, yeah, you know. And that's what nobody told me when I was younger. Mm. You know, my parents were a great influence. They're like, if you don't want to be a gym teacher, which I thought I wanted to be, be a personal trainer. I was like, great, love yeah. it. There's other options out there. That's what they were telling me, yes. Yeah. And you also don't need to necessarily seek acceptance from all these other people in order to accept yourself. No. And actually, that's the weird thing. And I, I tell people this a lot, but I think what was really cool, and I, I, I personal train in the, in the neighborhood in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Like a lot of my best friends growing up were, are gay. And yeah. um, I think what was really great about them is that they felt the same way as I was growing up. Mm. You know, like, ooh, I'm not accepted because I'm gay. And I'm like, ooh, I wasn't accepted because I was Asian. And we kind of had this thing where I'm just like, I don't feel like I have to prove myself to them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which was really cool. Like I could just be myself around them. Yeah. But then when I, yeah. And then when I found that in the Asian community, that was even better. Yeah. Which I didn't expect. So when did you start getting involved with the Asian community and the adopted community? And the adopted, it's only been a year. Uh And that just, um, well for the Asian community and like Facebook and Korean adopted, but I've always had like Asian friends Uh uh, since I was 25 growing up, like, um, karaokeing in New York and in Asia and it was just it was awesome but there was a f- couple year period where it was a little dark for me you know mm-hmm. like when coming back from Asia just like feeling out of place again mm. so uh, I kind of lost touch with a lot of people and then I, it really just sparked back up in the last year when somebody actually just randomly messaged me on Facebook and said hey your last name's German are you adopted and I was like yeah <laughs> They're like, there's a bunch of us. Yeah. And I was like, there is? Not necessarily Germans, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but there's a bunch of us uh-huh. in a group, and we meet up, and I thought it was amazing. Like, I was like, what? Who was I, it? Who wasn't that message to you? Her name's Jen Tavner. Okay. And um, I think her sister. From New York or uh, Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. And I think her sister started the Philly region. Uh-huh. Met up with them one time. I thought it was just an hour meetup. It turned out to be a 48-hour meetup. <laughs> It's like all weekend. Right. And I was like, holy cow, this is great. Yeah, yeah. So I started to really love that and uh-huh. realized that, you know, and I think that's the power of being in a group like that. You realize you're not the only one. Yeah. I think a lot of times exactly. right, problems happen because you think you're the only one with this problem mm-hmm. of being adopted and not feeling like you fit in. Right. Um, and that really was a big thing for me is like realizing I can't do this on my own too. Mm. Like I have to have other people around me. And since then I've just been like throwing myself into whatever comes my way. Yeah. And just, um, it's been one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. How's that? So how have you, uh, continued for the past year? It's pretty regular you see these different groups because now you're involved in AKA here in New York too, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I've, I've been up in New York doing AKA events. I know they have happy hour stuff, so I yep. joined that group just in case. The barbecue was awesome. Yeah, those are always good. That's where I saw <laughs> you again, right? Uh-huh. And like, yep. um, are you going to come up to that if they do that? Uh, maybe, yeah. yeah. I, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, I, I want to get more involved, like... 
I wouldn't oh, yeah? mind going into the Korea once a year where everybody goes to Korea. Oh, the gathering? The yeah. The gathering. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. You should go sometime. Did you go? Uh, I, the last one I, the first and last one I went to was in 2007. Wow. That was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. It's 10 years ago now. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. It was a great time. Actually, I ended up reconnecting with a lot of friends uh, that I had known since I was a kid but hadn't talked to for a long time. And then it's crazy. You meet up with these people and they're like still friends for life. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally recommend going to one of those. You know, they do them, they rotate it. So it's like the United States, uh, Europe, Korea, and they just kind of go around. Yeah. I definitely want to go to that because it's just, it'd just be great just to connect again and just uh, see what other adoptees are doing. Yeah, for sure. But also, too, it's like, I don't know about you, but I find that it's a hit or a miss with a lot of adoptees, right? It's mm-hmm. like some people feel the victims, some people feel sure. great yeah. about it, you know? And I'm yeah. like, I'm more curious about the other side. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I understand it, but what's keeping you there? You know, that I'm curious yeah. about. Well, you know, everybody's got a different story and yeah. there's all kinds of things in the past that have happened and people will take different perspectives on what their experience was. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to hear more about that from other sides, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, it's great to hear the positives. I think it's more important to always be positive and do due diligence of, like, actually overcoming the obstacles more than living in it, right? Sure. But I would just be interested to hear what other people's perspective is because, I mean, I'm just so used to pushing it away for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm in a good place to actually listen now, you know? That's good. That's another positive step. <laughs> so uh, you have, I think I saw on your Instagram feed, uh, you have a book out. Uh, yeah, a couple ebooks. You have ebooks, okay? Yes. So seems like they're very fitness focused. Very fitness focused. <laughs> yeah, intermittent fasting. Uh huh. Then it's a muscle building program. Okay. And then one about like if you were trying to learn how to. Uh, Hire your own personal trainer. Oh, okay. That one's more of a personal book, actually. Is it? Yeah, it's weird because it was like it was my first ebook ever, and I was just feeling really like, like the personal trainers just I thought needed to up their game, mm. um, not just in my community, like not not just in the gym, not just in the gym, just all over the place. And I just thought there was way too many personal trainers out there who weren't qualified to personal train. Interesting. So I wrote a book to have people go through a checklist, you know, like, is this personal trainer doing this? Uh-huh. Or am I, am I, is it justified because I'm only paying him 20 bucks? You know, like, I mean, that's what I, if you're only paying me 20 bucks, I'm probably going to... So, just, like, 20 bucks a session? Or yeah, an hour? 20 bucks a session. Okay. You're probably going to get 20 bucks worth of... Sure. ...quality. So, that ebook came out, that was my first one ever, and then, um, I don't know, other stuff is just maybe my personal journey that I want to start writing, but mm. that's, um... I don't know. That's in the future. That's right now with documentaries, the four point. Yeah, yeah. So then the next thing you're currently doing is this documentary series, right? Yeah, this documentary with um, actually with another Korean adoptee. Oh yeah, um, Bianca. Okay, yeah, I know Bianca. Bianca. Sure. And um, her one of her best friends is Doris. She just got married. Oh, um, congrats, Doris! In, in Amsterdam, and um, we're working on it together. And they're going to come to Philly for like ten days. Cool. We're spend time here in New York and just film some stuff and it's going to be an interesting documentary because it's it's super personal like i was i was uh-huh. hoping it'd be more following three other models <laughs> do, do you know three other uh is this asian male models yeah well okay. actually one was going to be an asian model then an actor uh-huh. maybe two actors okay I mean, but it just turned out to just be one focus point <laughs> 
Why, why is that? Did you, could you not find them? Well, no, it was like I shared my story to them and they were like, I think that's it. You know, like, cool. Th- I think that's it. We can do something with this. Yeah. Especially with the skateboard trip, we uh-huh. can get adopted. We have a lot of material here. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it is just like, you don't think you're, you don't think your life's that interesting sometimes, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's what kind of just uh, sure. makes you feel insecure about doing a personal documentary like this. But you're doing it. I'm still doing it. Still doing it. Where, where can we expect that to come out? Uh, it's supposed to come out March, April. 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 It's supposed to be early April. Done with editing and everything after yeah. April. Yeah. Well, that's what the timeline says. Wow. I think it's because of the film festivals. Uh huh. Sure. So. So you on? Are you on track right now? Yeah. I mean, we are. She booked her plane ticket. She's going to be over here. Um, we just have to solidify everything once she's back from the honeymoon. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's got a honeymoon going on. Where's that, where's that happening? I forget. She, she, it's not Bali. You didn't hook her up going to Bali? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this documentary's still going. It's definitely happening. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you know what it's going to be called yet? Do you have a title? We, we're working on the title, but it's going to be called The Ugly Model. The I Ugly mean, Model. Something along that. But you're not an ugly model. Yeah, but you felt like one. You feel like one? At times still, yeah. Still? Yeah. That's ridiculous. I know, isn't it? <laughs> at times. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, what I mean by at, at times is like, and it's just going to be me sharing about like the modeling experiences mm-hmm. I've had. But even times like you lose jobs because you're Asian. Or mm-hmm. even being Asian, you lose jobs because you're not this type of Asian. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's like mm-hmm. knowing you don't have the same equal opportunity. Yeah, the beauty yeah. industry sees you as the lowest of the mm. totem pole because it's like just being in that. It's like industry. an Asian male. Yeah. Because we're not viewed as sexy. So yeah, exactly, and that's mm. what makes you know. That's why I felt pretty ugly going into mm. it at times, and um, just sharing about that and things that have happened since then. Okay. Well, we have that to look forward to. Definitely. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have any, any parting words for uh, any of the Asian males out there or anybody? Yeah, man. I mean, well, I, I personally think it's just, it starts, it's, it totally starts with us first, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I know a lot of people out there want to blame other people for whatever's going on, mm-hmm. um, getting rejected by women, not having the right job. But really, like, when I started to actually work with myself first mm-hmm. and work with me and my insecurities and fears or thinking I had to act a certain way, mm-hmm. be hyper macho or masculine or be hyper nerdy, whatever. Yeah. When I started to be who I wanted to be and create who I wanted to be, that's when everything started to go. Go good? circle, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I appreciate you having me on this, though. No man. problem. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. What uh, what kind of social media can people follow you on? You have your 88,000 Instagram yeah, followers. It's per- Pursue, P-U-R-S-U-E, by Kevin. Uh-huh. That's my Instagram. And then my YouTube channel is Kevin Kreider, K-R-E-I-D, K-R-E-I-D-E-R. That's where you get all my fitness and... I have other videos on interviews with other races about talking about Asian masculinity and stereotypes too. But that's just my passion part. That's just what I throw in there once in a while. Mm -hmm. But really, just tons of nutrition and fitness and lifestyle content on there. Okay, cool. Facebook or uh, Twitter or anything like that? Twitter, no. Facebook, Kevin Kreider. Okay. Yeah, man. All right. Well, you can find Kevin and all his stuff online. You can be one of the 88,000 and growing followers. (laughs) 
Check out his deep V. <laughs> Check out the ebooks. There's no shirt on. <laughs> There's no shirt on many of them. That's okay. He's got he's got the model body to show it off. Uh, <laughs> I can do it, but it's more like that end scene in uh, Neighbors. You ever watch Neighbors? Nah, I never saw that. Yeah, they're at and uh, like an Amber Crombie and Fitch at the end, and like what's his name is like a shirtless Zach Efron's like a shirtless model oh, outside that's of cool and like. Seth Rogen is like, you think I could try it? And he's just got this keg belly going on. He's like, I don't think I'm getting anybody walking in the door. I don't know why. No, no Polaroid shots of yeah. him, huh? <laughs> Not so much. Really All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Mike. All right, and that was my conversation with Kevin Kreider. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show, sharing your story, a bit about what's happening with you. And if you want to follow Kevin on uh, Instagram, be one of his 88,000 followers. Let me, let me look. Uh, oh, actually, it's ticked up since I've interviewed him. You can check him out at Pursue by Kevin on Instagram. He's got 89.8 thousand followers right now. That's, that's almost 2,000 more than the last time I talked to this guy. That is insanity. I don't know. I don't know. I can't keep up with that. You know, I don't have those numbers. It's because I, I don't I don't do the intermittent fasting as much as I should, I guess. And I don't work out like that. I mean, look at this. Look at this. I'm just digging through the scroll here. You know, this is why I can't wear V-necks. What am I supposed to do with this information? Come on, Kevin. This is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, and anyways, if you want to check out his V-neck <laughs> and other pictures, uh, you can check him out on Instagram at uh, Pursue by Kevin. Or go to his website, PursuedByKevin.com. Uh, he's got a bunch of gym and weight loss programs there. Uh, you know, and he's, I guess, doing a bunch of all that stuff. And check. look forward to his, uh, his documentary coming out in uh, March or April, The Ugly Model. Uh, I guess uh, if you want to get in touch with him, you can check. You could probably uh, DM him. Is that what they say on Instagram? I don't know. Private message him? I, I don't know. Uh, do that if you want or comment on one of his deep V v-neck pictures and uh maybe he'll respond to you i I feel like he's very responsive um other than that i know that he's checking things out up in new york every now and then or philadelphia you could join cap k-a-a-p or you could join uh aka in new york uh if you're in the philly or new york area and uh maybe you can meet up with him and do stuff i mean you should go check those groups out anyways they're pretty cool groups and if you don't have a group or not in that area i'm sure there's something nearby where you live just give it a quick google or it's on facebook speaking of facebook you can like my facebook page at facebook.com slash the rambler adhd and uh you know i don't post on facebook and often anymore i just i don't know i've gotten a little tired of the, the platform i guess but uh i do post things there for this show and uh, you can check it out there. Uh, what else? You can follow me on Twitter at the Rambler ADHD. That's probably my most uh, prominent platform that I use these days for this kind of thing. You can subscribe to me on iTunes. Check it out on iTunes, Podbean. Uh, I'm sure I'm on Slacker and all those other things out there. And uh, leave a review. Leave a nice review on uh, on those platforms. Should you listen to them there, it really helps me out. Just go ahead and uh, click five stars. Click five stars for me and uh, tell me what you like about the show. You can send me an email uh, at uh, therambleradhd at gmail.com. Tell me what you think. Ooh, speaking of emails, I got one. I got one. I'll share it with you. Hold on. Let me dig it up. 
Alrighty, you ready? Okay, this one's from MJ. MJ, thanks for writing me. It says, hi, Mike. Just want to say a quick hello and tell you how much I enjoy your podcast, The Rambler. It makes my long commute to work much more tolerable. I'm a Taiwanese adoptee living in Southern California. I reunited with my first family in Taipei in January 2012. Congratulations. Thanks for bringing such great shows to the adopted community. Looking forward to listening to future shows. Take care. All right. Well, thank you for writing me, MJ. I really appreciate it. I always love getting fan mail and hearing from you, the listeners, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. And if it makes your long commute easier or uh, listening to your family go on about politics over the dinner table or whatever, take a break and uh, listen to the show. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. That's why I say enjoy at the beginning of every episode before the conversation starts. So you can enjoy. Enjoy. Anyways, I hope you guys have a uh, great holiday. Kick off the holiday season for T-Day or Chusuk or whatever you're celebrating. And, uh, you know, if you don't celebrate any of those things, just go out and uh, get yourself a, a honey-baked ham or something like that and, and have some of that with mashed potatoes because it's always delicious. Uh, I hope you guys have a excellent day don't get too stressed out about the news and you know if you do just again i think you know the solution is always going to be like a honey baked ham mashed potatoes gravy turkey whatever this is the best time of year to, to do that stuff i think uh otherwise i hope that you guys uh, enjoy yourselves and i'll talk to you guys next time all right see ya peace